This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 202 of the States US podcast. I am Ben and this week I'm joined by Chris. How are you doing my good man? Are you well? Hello, I am very well indeed, thank you. Good to be back. How are you? I'm, I'm good, yeah. I think uh, I was saying to you off air like... I don't think I've really slept properly since, at least a little bit before the live podcast, but definitely since then I've I've not yeah I've just not felt quite right. It's been been all up and down, and it's yeah very strange. But I've I think I've had a good night's sleep, so I'm feeling a bit better at the moment. It does make a huge difference. It really really Absolutely. does. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been an interesting interesting few weeks. I, I was actually um, I'm, I'm on location in Gloucestershire, uh, the deepest darkest depths of Gloucestershire today. Um, and it's in, the change of scenery on the on the camera that makes yeah. sense now. <laughs> uh, in preparation for the weekend, obviously. But um, yeah, one of the reasons was we actually went to the uh, the Arnold Clark Cup final last night, uh, which was the England ladies and Bel- uh, England women and Belgian women. Oh, cool. Um, Where is that game. held? Uh, that was at Ashton Gate. Oh, right. That's cool. So, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting evening. It's not the same atmosphere. It's, it's just not the same. Like I know I'm going to come across as one of those gammons that just complains about it all. But it's, it's not the same atmosphere at all. It's, it's very, very family-focused. Well, that's not a bad thing. It's different. No, it's a good it doesn't thing. Doesn't mean it's worse. It just means it's different, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's you know I think it's it's probably not for me. I mean the game was fine. You know it's a decent game. I think it ended up six one. Yeah, it's, uh, to it England. was all right. Yes, oh, that always helps. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, of, of, of men's football, maybe one of our our favourite men uh, from from the last twelve months or so, Mr. Chris Maguire. <laughs> Have you seen? He's got a new club. I have. He's gone to Air United. And am hey, I right in thinking that their nickname is The Honest Men? Yes, that was that's what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, that is hilarious. Um, I was going to give my mate Tom a shout-out because he actually, he actually spotted that and he says, right, you, you can't claim that. I spotted it. I want a shout-out. And I says, okay, fair enough. I will, I'll give you a shout-out. Um, and he said, say something nice about me. So um, he's got a massive 
ego is probably as far as I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and you know what? The best thing about it, it wasn't even the fact that he brought it up that got on the podcast because I knew it as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's fantastic. Um, but I just think it's brilliant. I just think the irony, the irony. Uh, yeah. The honest yeah, man. Yeah, indeed. One of the least but honest men that we've had. I did say to somebody earlier in the week, weeks. like, the best thing about this, I said the best thing about this um, news is that we're probably never going to play them, so we can't have an absolute blinder against us and score a hat trick. Exactly, it's the best. It's the best case scenario, isn't it? We can we can enjoy it from afar Absolutely. without really any any negative. Um, also, I was I was doing a little bit of research earlier, and I, obviously, I, as you all know, I quite like the stats. I'm not going to go to too much depth about stats <laughs> today, hopefully. But there was one um, which really caught my eye earlier. So in the whole of League One. Which player do you think mm-hmm. has got the highest shots on target percentage? Oh, I don't know. It's I Charles give you an Vernon. In the really? whole of League One. Yep, 66% of his shots have hit the target, which is the eye test makes that doesn't seem to make sense without the fact he hasn't actually scored a goal might mean that they're not necessarily strong shots. But I was just I was flicking through some stuff on Y Scout and I was like, hang on, that's 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 our player. <laughs> We're not expected to see any of our players in those sort of metrics. And it just really surprised me. So I thought it was worth it was worth mentioning because I thought it was might be as surprising for you as it was for me. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose when you think about it, and obviously we're gonna, we might as well start talking about uh, Portsmouth, but like particularly towards the end of the Portsmouth game when he came on, he did brilliant. You know, he's had he's had two shots. He's forced the keeper to make saves. They weren't necessarily. Well, they weren't screamers, but they, you know, they they both forced two corners. So yeah, it, it makes did. sense. Yeah, I they, it was it was a real threat when it came. I think that's one of his. I think the criticism that we've often had towards Charles is that he's a really direct player. He's lots of lots of positives, but his end product maybe was a little bit lacking. And fair play on Saturday came on and made a real impact, and, and his end product was good. Yeah. So that's you know if it continues in that vein, then that's only a, that's only a good thing. I just thought it was really interesting because it it just surprised me somewhat. Yeah, definitely. Uh, not not a player that you'd expect to be uh, up in the those echelons of, of that stat for no, sure. Absolutely. But you mentioned Saturday. So yeah, we let's, might let's... as well. We might as well touch on it, hadn't we? What was your thoughts on the overall game? I mean, coming away from the game, I thought you know that they're the points that you take. You know, yeah. you, you you can't you can't fault it. Um, I think if there was going, you know, if there was a late goal either way. It was one of those games where it goes from yeah that was that was decent enough you know we got we've got a good point it's a you know they're a decent side well you know they're, they're a big side in terms of standing um, what I thought was interesting was that if there was I thought if there was a goal either either way at the end of that game we would have come away thinking either we were superb or we were absolute garbage. Okay. Like it's it's that kind yeah, of thing. It's whether amazing. We... It is amazing how how much a goal can sway your overall yes. kind of perception of a game. Because the best way to judge a game is taking the goals out of it and then analysing it. Yeah, we can't do that because the whole point of watching football is well, <laughs> yeah. for most people is is the goals, isn't it? And so, uh, yeah. So that that yeah, was my thought because I I thought like you know it, it was it was a decent enough game. We we played you know I thought we played well. I thought we managed to. To nullify whatever threats they had, obviously we had to make a couple of changes with, um, you know, with Adam Jackson going off um, relatively early. Um, but I, I think we did what we needed to do on Saturday, and 
for everybody that says usually, oh, you know, you need to win your home games if you're going to draw as many as we are, I think you you would have said, I think there was a lot of people beforehand saying, you know, I'd take a point from today yeah. going into it because they you you kind of expect that new manager bounce from Portsmouth and they've not yet had it, have they? No, um, they've kind of carried on as they were, really, haven't they? Mm. Um, yeah. They've not been poor, but they probably haven't quite been at the standards or got the points for that they maybe the expectations are there. But in terms of like what that squad of players has been achieving for the whole season, they've pretty much carried that on since Mourinho's come in. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I I think my my initial reaction after the game was, "Yep, that'll do." On to the next. Yeah. Um, I felt like we started really well again. Um, you know, you can analyse mm-hmm. the whole game, and it's and obviously 89 and a half minutes kind of passed after. Jack Diamond's golden opportunity in the first minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of football happens then, and it's easy to forget about it. That was a golden opportunity. Yeah. Um, and if that goes in, it's a, it's a it's a really good platform for us to go on and win the game. Um, you know, I think that's a really high high percentage chance. But then at the other end, in the last sort of ten fifteen minutes, Colby Bishop obviously missed that golden opportunity for them. Um, the XG for the game was just one point <laughs> six five. There was just one point three seven. So similarish. So it should have been a realistically probably probably should have been one one, but it was yeah. nil nil, so the overall points haul was was probably what was what was deserved. I felt we started really, really, really well. Yeah. Um Jackson went off injured and we we changed shape, which I think is worth touching on in a second, because Mark mm. Kennedy mentioned it in his interview afterwards. Um because that surprised me personally. I thought we might stick to the same shape and then you know just just change personnel. But up, up until that point I thought we were great. After that point for the first half I thought we were still probably edged it and with a better team but maybe weren't quite as coherent in the in the four two three one as we were with the back three. Yeah. And then I think Pompey in the second half certainly for the last fifteen minutes definitely I think they grew into the game where they were quite a threat in that last fifteen minutes. Um, yeah so I, I think, think a draw where... on the overall ninety is fair. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I think you know I I definitely wouldn't have complained um with that, you know, the the point overall. And I think um I think the the point you made there about them them coming into it towards the end, I think that's fair enough. I think it it maybe started to show that we were stretching as we got towards the end with with some of the players that were were going off and and coming on. Um, I think you you point that you made before we started talking in depth about the game about uh, about Charles Vernon coming on and changing things. I thought yeah he he did really well and I think he was he kind of surprised them a little bit with how direct he was, um, particularly as I said those those two shots that that stung the gloves of the keeper really um but yeah i i i agree with you in that the first half i thought was we we probably well i don't think anyone would have been disappointed um or upset if we went in ahead um i don't think any portsmouth fans would have begrudged it i thought we were the better side in the first half um and uh yeah i think that the change in shape it did unsettle us a little bit but i think they managed to cope with it fairly well yeah. Um, it was interesting to hear, like you say, Mark Kennedy's uh, points after the game, where he said that he kind of wanted to keep everybody in a, you know, a like for like position, which is why he bought Danny Mandroyo on and then changed yeah. the shape yeah, rather he said than square pegs, square holes. And yeah, you know what? Because in the stands, I was fully expecting Rowan to go left centre back and yeah. Boyce to come on at left wing back, and then that's how we. I'm keeping the same shape. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that that was kind of what a lot of us expected to happen. It was a surprise when when he changed shape because I I think maybe I put I put quite a lot of emphasis on formation or well, not formations but on kind of structure. Yeah. Um, and maybe yeah maybe it's not as 
maybe it's not as important as maybe I sometimes put the emphasis on. And, and Mark was very much saying he wanted people in square pegs, like square, square, square pegs, square holes, playing in positions they're familiar with. Um, and Sean's only played one game at left centre back this season for ninety minutes. Yeah, and it was against Chippenham, which obviously wasn't the best result. Yeah. Um, so I, you know what? I kind of respected his response. I still think, it, just from a personal perspective, just with a, obviously a, very much an amateur's manager's head on, I'd like to keep the same shape, and, and I might move yeah. people around. But I completely understood why he made that change. Um, but I agree with you. I think I'm not saying it unsettled us, as in that we were poor after it. I just felt we weren't quite as coherent. Um, yeah, I think you, you go in when you go into a game with that plan of look, this is this is the, the way we're gonna play and it gets disrupted after what was it, twenty one minutes? Twenty yeah, twenty one minutes according yeah, to the start. Like that, yeah. So it's like, you know, you you less than a quarter of the way through the whole mm, yeah, but less than less than a quarter through the whole game. You kind of have to suddenly make a big change and and adapt to that quite quickly. And uh, yes, I'm sure they would have been pre- you know, prepared for most instances but I don't think you can really prepare for a change that dramatic after 20 minutes um, but I, again I think they did fairly well once they once the change was made um, I mean can we just talk about that ball in the in, in the first couple of minutes through to Jack Diamond I was going to go back to Jack Diamond because Jack Diamond just... is a player that's um, re- received quite a lot of comments and you know there's a lot of discussion about him and there certainly was on Saturday um, and it was quite polarised it was either um he really needs to improve his end product, and then the other, those kind of the, the the other half of people that were kind of defending him, saying, you know. So, it, I think I, I, I'm I kind both. of I'm kind of somewhere. Not not that he needs his end product isn't necessarily what I would criticise. It's the decision making around it. Mm. I think some of the decision making is it, it just needs just needs a little bit of improvement. I mean, like there was a few instances where if he'd have just picked his head up looked across there was a you know there was a pass on or you know there could have there was another ball that he could have made instead of trying to take on a defender and I, I get it and I think I said this at the time you know that there's the talent is clearly there you know there's that, clearly clearly a lot of talent where, that he's got yeah that might be where a little bit of that frustration comes from is because you can see it with your eyes what a talent yeah. player is his, his, his talent level is above league one yes but his maybe his consistency um, in front of in those kind of split second decisions, maybe is at League One level, which which means is why he's still here. He's a top end League One player. I'm going to play devil's advocate because I a lot, I saw a lot of people say that they're really frustrated at him, and there's a couple of people that sit near me that are, are kind of quite vocally getting frustrated. Maybe for the same reasons that we've just said, because you can see the talent there. But for him to be such a threat, he's he's the player that's he's the player that's getting in that position all the time. The amount mm. of times he gets in the position where he receives the ball in those dangerous areas, and he has to make that split second decision he's in that situation really often so that shows that how good a player he is you know that shows how how close he is to maybe being that top 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 league out league one arguably championship player completely mm. get where the frustration comes from you know he scores that in early minutes a completely different game um but yeah i was just going to play devil's advocate maybe just, just just defend him a little bit because we had, there's no one else in our in our squad who Create is as creative as he is in terms of his carries and and also is is re- receiving the ball in those high areas as well. Yeah. Um, so you've got to get there to receive it. You know, say all the best strikers, you've got to get there to miss him. Um, yeah, hundred percent. It's a good sign. So again, I'm sure everyone wants him to polish off that final that final that final action. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think he still, he still starts for me. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't say, you know, that he needs to be dropped. I, I just think um, that, you know, it, yeah, like I said, it, it's it's the ability to, to realise that he's not on his own. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes he almost seems like he wants to just take the world on by himself. And whether that's through frustration or the fact that he feels he needs to prove himself or whatever, or, you know, maybe it's just a bit of selfishness creeping in. I, I don't know, but... It, it was really frustrating at times. Like you say, you do have to be in those positions in order to score them or, you know, or to, or to miss them. But I think when you... Like, I can't remember what point it was in the game, but there was there was a, a situation where there was, I think, two or three players that were completely open and he kind of went on by himself and, like, lost the ball. Yeah, and you think, kind of, I think, like, you get your head up and you see him, you think, oh, I'll just take an extra touch to get it under control and then I can pass it in. Yeah. Or shoot, um, and then just taking that extra touch then means that those three players that were unmarked are no longer unmarked, and it just yeah. breaks down, and then you lose it because you think, oh shit, they're not they're marked now. Now what do I do? So it's yeah. just like you say, it's just polishing that decision making, that, that that very last action, and yeah. there's there's a, a lot of factors that can cause that, but it's such a threat. It's just you know, I think because yeah. he hasn't scored for a while. I think no. When I think it, does, it's a bit of desperation, goal, isn't it? Yeah, when he gets a goal, he'll probably he'll probably go on a run of scoring three or four and get two yeah. or three assists, you know, and it'll be have a great end to the season. And maybe he's just so desperate to try and get one, but hey, yeah. you know, that's that's how it goes sometimes, isn't it? I mean, I think that that's the thing is, you know, I saw some people saying, "Oh, he's crap," you know, get rid of him, he's rubbish, he's he's shite, and all this. It's like he's clearly not. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's... like I say, like you can you can see with your eyes. Yeah, you, know, you don't need any stats. You know, you just see with with your eyes of yeah. his, ta- his talent level is. You know, it's really it's a really high level of, of overall ability, and and ultimately, and I know this is going to sound really flippant, but ultimately that's why he's on loan with us and not playing week in week out for uh, for Sunderland in the championship. Absolutely, 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 yeah. You know, they 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 loan players out in order for them to develop and to to sharpen their skills and and to improve themselves, without without running the risk, I want to say, of, yeah. of putting them in the first team. Exactly. So, so look at like Lewis Fiorini last season. Obviously, different position, different mm-hmm. style of player. Um, realistically, probably not going to get in Man City's first team anytime soon. But he came on loan to us specifically to develop. And, yep. you know, his first half, you know, he scored a couple of good goals against Cambridge, but his first half of the season, was there were some real clear weaknesses in his game. Mm-hmm. And then after Christmas, he went on a really good run and became a real key player towards the end of the season because he was exposed to that environment. He was allowed the opportunity to make mistakes and yeah. then to improve from them. And he became a really good player. And he was he was always going to go and get a championship move um, in the summer. And he obviously did. I know it was the least surprising transfer in history <laughs> yeah. uh, going to Michael Appleton's championship team. But but that's yeah. it's a it's a good kind of comparison, isn't it? Because he did have a, he did struggle at times last season, but then developed into one of a you know a really high quality player for us. So yeah, you know you've got to have, be given the platform to make mistakes and, and to to improve. And I still think he's a real asset. But I suppose one thing that's worth bearing in mind: we touched on Vernon earlier about actually maybe the stats suggest that he's 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 more of a threat than we'd be given credit for. And also, I thought Milo Shadipo had a great game on Saturday. I thought he was yes. a real threat. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think. Um... You know, maybe another one of those instances where it was a couple of games to grow into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he, he definitely showed, you know, why he's been brought in. I think he had the, I think there was a lot of pace on display. Um, I think there was a few instances where he got, you know, he managed to beat his man quite convincingly um, and get yeah. a few good crosses in. Uh, and there were, there were some really good crosses. And I think there was one just towards the end of the game that kind of 
it, it flashed across everybody. And yeah, you just it thought, like, oh. it was a little pullback, wasn't it? And it was the right decision. It was a good ball in. Yeah. He was crying out for someone to get on the end of it. And it was he did everything right. It wasn't his fault at all. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah, a yard, a just... yard in either side. And, a, a, and a, one of our players goes in and, 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 and gets a shot away. Yeah. But I, was... I've been really impressed with him. I've been impressed with him since he started. The first game I really noticed, I thought, hang on, we've got a good player here, was the Accrington game. Yeah. And then, um, obviously, he, he played against Bristol, um, did okay. Played, I thought he was really, really good against Derby. And then, obviously, had a really good game again on uh, on, on Saturday against Portsmouth. So he, he's gro- really growing into the team, I feel. Um, I'm sure that goal against Derby probably did in the world of good. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I just thought it was worth mentioning because I was just really impressed with him um, mm. on Saturday. And, you know, um, Jack Diamond, because of his missed opportunity in the start and then, you know, the, the, the discussion around him on Saturday might have taken the discussion and taken the, the, the focus but I thought um, Shadipa had a great game and it was worth mentioning that I yeah. suppose it's also worth mentioning in terms of the starting lineup. we were obviously missing two of our yep. what you class as our regular starters obviously Lewis Monsmer when we discussed this last week um, he, his ban hadn't come through but then about you know, not very long after we released the podcast in the morning, it was announced yeah. he was banned for three games. What, what really made me chuckle was the fact that Gary had uh, Gary had his bet on for one all and Monsma to score. Oh yeah, he did. And then I was just like, okay, yeah, fair enough. There we go. That's uh, that's not happening, is it? No. So there's him, obviously, and then we're missing Ben House, of course, who we all knew was going to miss one game because of his uh, his red card against yep. Derby. Um, TJ came in for Lewis and although he's a very different type of player to Lewis I thought TJ slotted in really well and was, was yeah. pretty solid and was pretty reliable on uh, on Saturday and obviously Luke Plange came in and got his got his start um, got his chance to impress up top for Ben House how did you feel how did you feel he got on? Um, I think he did okay um, obviously it's one of those where you know every every time a striker starts you want to see him get a goal um, I thought he, he put himself about fairly well he showed what he's, um, well, what he's what he's known for, I guess, is you know having a bit of pace and a little bit of endeavour about him. Um, I think there was a few instances where you would have expected to see a, a, a striker of his stature because he's not the biggest lad, is he? Um, a couple of instances where he he got stuck into challenges and he was you know he wasn't afraid to 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 put leave a foot in and you know try and win the ball back, which I thought was was good to see. Um, obviously, he's nowhere near in the same vein as Ben House. I think I personally would be very interested to see them play in a two. Hmm. Um, I, think, I think we may end up seeing that at some point this season. Yeah. I think we've got we've obviously got good options for tactical flexibility in those forward areas now. Yeah. yeah, I think there's def- maybe late in games if we need to chase a goal um, or if we really want to kind of play on the front foot. I think that could happen. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think he he did okay. It wasn't you know it wasn't a blistering debut or blistering mm. home debut, um, but it was he did okay. Yeah, I don't want to come across too harsh. I thought he struggled a little bit. Okay, personally, yeah, I did, and I don't want it to be kind of like Luke Plange bashing. And I think what what he showed me on Saturday wasn't that he wasn't of the required level. It was actually how lucky we are to have Ben House. Yes, it, it made me appreciate what Ben House does even more. Um, and I think Ben House is quite unique as a centre forward in terms of just how intelligent and how aggressive and how he's, he's a defensive forward, isn't he? Like without yeah. the ball, he's just outstanding. His pressing's outstanding. His intelligence of what we're to make and when and the angles of those sort of things are they are elite level. They genuinely are. Mm. So when you play a more generic centre forward, um, I think actually what that just showed is just actually Ben House plays a real vital role for us because what we were discussing last week is 
he's got a real chance now. Luke Plunger's got a real opportunity. You know, he's come here to play games. He's got an opportunity to start. What happens? Here you go, mate. Crack on. Get, have a good, have a good debut. He didn't do anything particularly wrong. Um, he just didn't shine um, as such. Um, so I, I feel as soon as Ben House is back in the team, which I feel he probably will be on Saturday, um, mm. I, th- I feel that that's that's where it'll be. And Luke Plange will have the opportunity later in the season to come on and, and make an impact. But um, I feel what I learned from Saturday is that he's a perfectly adequate backup. Uh, and I'm sure he'll grow into the team and grow into the season and definitely showed some flashes of you know high quality technical ability. Yeah. Um, but in terms of a League One starting striker, I... <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful of Ben House returning, and I'll be honest. I, I, I said this to who I sit, Joe, who I sit with. I was like, ah, he hasn't done anything wrong, but I feel if, if Ben House plays, we probably win that game. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, I think it. I think Luke Plange is the kind of striker that needs to have most of the people around him firing on all cylinders to get the best out of him. He's like a typical centre-forward. We haven't seen a lot. We've seen one ninety yeah. performance and two or three substitute appearances, so we can't judge him in too much. But yeah, he seems like he seems like a centre-forward, a goal-scorer, a sort of person. Yes. Given, given the service, he'll score goals. That's yeah. the sort of player that I expect him to be. Um, whereas we know that, that Ben House can he can force mistakes on your position and kind of create chances out of nothing just by forcing them to make an error. Mm. It's just different, just different, different strikers. Um so yeah, I just wanted to kind of bring that up. So I thought TJ did well. Obviously, we're going to have another two games yet without Lewis, and I fully expect TJ to keep his place. And then it'll be, you know, it'll probably be a little bit of a case of saying, right, TJ, it's your place to lose now. And Lewis has got to fight his way back in the team. Um, but for me, Ben House is available on Saturday, and I'd say he probably starts again. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt in that. To be honest, I mean, we'll we'll sort of move away from from the Pompey game. I think overall, I mean, I know, I think I. Gaz was discussing it last week um, and said that we should probably do this every week. But uh, choice for man of the match on Saturday? Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, I, I think I think I'm going to go Shadipo. Okay, he, he really impressed me. Um, it's easy to kind of see Ethan Irohan, um because he's just the best player in the world, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, there's, there's a lad on our Sunday morning, my Sunday morning team, a young lad called Brendan. He actually plays for the, the um, Linking Shadow Academy. Mm. And he's 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 far he's he's far too good for our level. He's going to be our top goal scorer by a mile. And he's and we we do our we we do a man of the match vote at the end of the game, and whoever gets the most votes gets the man of the match, and whoever has the most votes at the end of the season gets the players' player of the season award. So it's kind of a nice fair way of doing it. And the poor guy doesn't normally get that many votes. He scores almost every game, like one goal, like two goals every three games, probably on on average. And the poor lad doesn't get many votes just because we kind of expect it of him like, <laughs> like just expect him to be brilliant and better than everyone else so so he's like oh well you know he, he played at his level so nah never mind um and i think that might happen with Irohan a little bit like his his level is just really high and his kind of base level yeah. is just really high quality we're probably just going to get to the point we kind of take it for granted and expect it of him because he was outstanding once again yeah um so, so I mean, that's I, why I, i'm not giving it to him <laughs> it's, it's, I... it's because i expect it of him now <laughs> I didn't have much complaint with the sponsor's choice, which was Paulie O'Connor. Yeah. Um, I thought he had a, a really solid game. Um, I don't yeah, think he again. lost a header, did he? No. And um, I think solid is the right word to describe that, and that sort of performance is often overlooked. He's just, yeah. he's a no-frills, no-nonsense player, and he just, 
he wins his he wins his battles, doesn't he? And mm. yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah, Paulie Paulie was well worth the, the man of the match vote as well. Just to be different, I'm going to go for Shadipo. But um, fair enough. But yeah, <laughs> O'Connor was 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 well worth it as well. Yeah, no, I think that's 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 a fair one. Um, but then, yeah, obviously you said we were, you know, we were without one player um, on Saturday uh, in the defence, which was Lewis Monsmer. Um It appears that we may be without another one or two coming up to Saturday. Yeah. Um, Mark Kennedy's press conference today confirmed that uh, Adam Jackson will be out for a week or two. Yeah, um, he, said, he, said, he said a game, or a couple of games is what he said. So right, we've okay. got three games in the next two weeks. So I didn't know. I assumed that meant he might miss one. Saturday and Tuesday, three, yeah. Realistically, yeah. So, you know, when anyone goes off during a game, even if it looks innocuous, you always kind of fear the worst, don't you? Yeah. Um, so that's actually kind of a relief for me to know, you know what, it's only, it's only going to be two or three games. That's that's not the end of the world. Um, what is a shame is uh, we learned that Joe Walsh had to have an operation on a groin injury and is going to be out for, quote, a number of weeks. Um, so that's a shame. Obviously, we've had a relatively settled back three slash five over the last few weeks. That's And that's going to become a little unsettled. Um, yeah. Going forward, we we changed to a back four in reaction to that injury to Jackson on Saturday. So that does that does you know bring some question marks. We'll touch on these when we preview the uh, the Forest Green game. But it does it does kind of maybe ask some questions about how we might line up on Saturday. Um, but in terms of injuries, yeah, they're they're the two kind of big well two of the three big pieces of news. The third in regards to injuries that Matty Virtue is going to be back in full training. Next week, um, he's not going to be available for Saturday or Tuesday, but Mark Kennedy said he might be available for the Oxford game um, a week on Saturday. So, so that's a huge plus, isn't it? Absolutely, and I can almost hear the strains of Gary's loins stretching <laughs> at the news that Matty Virtue and Ethan Arahan might play together. That's it. It'd be great, wouldn't it? I think we've said all all along because they've kind of Arahan's almost come in and done. The virtue role in a way hasn't he? Yeah. He's, he's kind of like, oh, now virtue's injured. We're desperate for a centre midfielder to come in and do his role. He's yeah. come in and obviously hit the ground running, as we said, um, to get them both playing. And the thing is, that's a bit harsh on Ted because Ted's been great since yeah. coming in that in that kind of six role. But um, well, I think the thing is, you, you, the 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 style that we play, or at least the style that we we want to play, you've got to have at least one of those like anchoring holding midfielders. Yeah. If we're then, you know, potentially going to be playing, what you've got five at the back, and two, and then three. Yeah, you, you can't necessarily start with the likes of like Arahan and Virtue together. However, it does potentially free up. If if you do have that, it does potentially give them free reign to maybe go to the four, a four at the back with. A number ten in the style of Ted Bishop because I th- I think Ted Bishop's play has been miles better since Ethan's come into the team because it's allowed him to get forward. It's allowed to be a bit more free. Um, I, f- I feel Ethan coming into the team has allowed everyone to be have a bit more um, well, yeah, solidity to be honest. Ted's done great since he's come in. I think it's a good point. I think it again allowed virtue coming in back into the squad allows tactical flexibility. We could then go three five two with the midfield three of Irohan, Virtue, and Bishop with two strikers, and you either play house up top with maybe uh, a man drew who's kind of has played in that kind of false nine ten role when he came on on saturday you play plange as a two diamond's done it a little bit so you could go three five two you can play um 
Bishop in one of those more advanced roles in the yeah. two behind the striker. And like you say, if we do end up going back to a four-two-three-one, um, then we can then you can you can play him in either the six or the ten. So it's just it's just tactical flexibility. It's 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 just high quality. Um, if every, the, the thing is, you're now looking at it. If everybody's fit, like we've we've said all the way through the season, you know, people have been saying, "Oh, we need to get more players in. We need to get another striker. In, we need to get another midfielder in." If everybody's fit in our squad, try and pick the starting eleven. Impossible. And it's really hard. Yeah, and it's a, and that's and it's, it's hard in a good way. Yes. Whereas maybe historically it was difficult because yeah, yeah. we didn't know who was going to miss out. We didn't know who wasn't going to be available. Whereas now, you know, players coming back, players going to be available. We've got a lot of good players to choose from. It means we can have a full squad of sixty, uh, eighteen even on the bench, mm. um, with really, really good options um, and high quality options to come on. We're going to be in a strong position once these uh, these injuries kind of and, and suspensions in the next couple of games start to start to ease. Realistically, the only player that we're going to have out for a while is going to be Joe Walsh. Mm. It's good I, news. Apart from that, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I I know it's a bit of a meme at this point, but. I just wonder how much longer Joe Walsh will be with the football club, and I know that's really harsh to say, but it's you... it's a it's a it's a it's a serious question though, and I think we've all seen when he plays, he's one of our best centre backs, and let's oh, be honest, we we have got high quality centre backs, yeah, in this in this football club, you know, top top half League One centre backs, if not top six League One centre backs, in at, at the club at the moment, and Joe Walsh is very much part of that. So there's no denying his quality, but it does become a point, I suppose. And I remember um, it being explained when Michael Boswick left the club. Mm. In you know, we kind of wanted quality-wise, we, we all knew that we was a better team with him in the team. We was a, we was a better team with him in, in, on the pitch. We just were, um, but it became a kind of a question of cost per appearance. Yeah, um, and he was you know significantly higher than everyone else, and it kind of. From a purely financial perspective, it, it became a point where you couldn't really afford afford that, and the question mark is, you know, do we do we ask that question over Joe Walsh at some point soon? We don't know what he's getting paid. We don't know what he's on compared to other players and how that works out. You know, with the Boswick uh, side of things, obviously he was on a one of the League Two contracts that had that big kind of pay rise from the promotion as part of it, and was part of that kind of transitional team where we started to kind of maybe. Focus on selling younger players, lower deal, you know, on, mm. on slightly smaller wages, and it was maybe a a reason to try. And I mean, we all know my feelings on Michael Boswick. My my feelings on Michael Boswick were he can have my firstborn. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, like, we just... all love Mike. We all loved him. We all loved him. <laughs> I think that's the point, though, is that we know we knew his quality. Yeah, yeah. The club yeah. knew his quality, um, but it became a financial question about well, he's only played X amount of games. What's he getting paid per week, and what does that work out? You know, how much are we paying per appearance? And yeah. how does that compare to everyone else in the squad? And you can only imagine that, really sadly for Joe Walsh, this may be going to be a question asked there. We don't yeah. know about his contract situation. I feel he may have another year left. Well, um, I know that, was it was it last year, I think, he signed a, quote, long-term extension? Yeah, exactly. So it's just which, how long, isn't it? Yeah, to me it suggests more than a year. Yeah. I so think, I would... and I, let me just check on here. I don't know how accurate this is, but it's always a good gauge as to what does football manager You're going manager on football say? manager, Chris. Yep. Uh, it's on already. <laughs> <laughs> the date is in already. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So it's twenty twenty four. So yeah, okay. okay. There's, there's normally a reasonable amount of truth. Of, of truth there. Yeah. If there's yeah. no information out there at all, then it's maybe going to be a good guess. But there's normally a 
an educated guess, shall we say, when it comes to those things, knowing yeah. you know, how it works behind the scenes a little bit. So, yeah, so I expect it to be next season, which means that maybe we haven't got a decision to make in regards to do we retain him or release him because his contract's expiring, which maybe makes it a bit easier. Um, I suppose it depends yeah, how he recovers it, from this injury and what the club's perception is. At the it's going to be an season. interesting one. With it's going to be a very interesting situation. Well. It will yeah. be, yeah. And it's a, it's a really sad situation to discuss because it did seem like he just got a bit of momentum, didn't he? He played six or seven games in a row. And we thought, yeah. oh, here we go. This is giving some balance in the team. And then really sadly, it's obviously um, his body's let him down again, as Mark kind of put it. He says he looks after himself well, he trains hard, does everything right, and his body's just kind of let him down a little bit, which is a real yeah. shame. So, um, I mean, I think it, thing... it is a shame. I think that's the, 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 height, the, the headline is it's just a real shame. Yeah, I think that the... The key thing was when it seemed like he was getting that rhythm again of like, okay, yeah. he can play 90 minutes here, then he's going to you know play 45 or he's going to miss a game, then he'll do another 90 or another 45. And you could almost count every other game that he was going to be involved. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a shame. And I'd, you almost hope, you almost kind of want some kind of miracle to happen where everything just heals up for him straight away. Because like you say, on his day, he's, he's one of the best in the division. But yeah, it's just a bit of a shame. It is, you know. Fingers crossed, an operation might might be able to, you know, permanently resolve an issue, um, and it allows him to kind of hit the ground running, get a proper preseason, maybe, and take it yeah. from there. Take it from there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Absolutely. So, but you know, without him in the team, and with Montsma still being suspended, and Jackson, of course, going to miss Saturday, it does mean that we're going to be a little bit light at the back potentially um, in our upcoming yeah. fixture against Duncan Ferguson's Forest Green Rovers, which still sounds weird. Yeah, I. Yeah. I, it's, I, I just don't know what else to say to that. It's like, yeah, just like, it's not a normal, that's not a normal sentence. That's really not. Um, yeah, I think it's so, safe to say he hasn't had the desired effect as of yet. There hasn't really no. been a new manager bounce at all. Their last six, their last six haven't won. Um, yep. Lost 4-0 to Ipswich, lost 1-0 to Charlton, drew 1-1 with Morecambe, lost 2-0 to Peterborough, 2-1 to Shrewsbury and 1-0 to Bolton. So they've only picked up one point in their previous six games. Um, and I think they're, they're teams that you, you... I mean, mostly... Let's just have a quick look at that again. So, so in terms of the teams that are up there, there's Bolton, yeah, um, Bo- Posh yeah, got- and Ipswich. You'd expect them to lose against them, 
Yeah. And they did. Um, you'd expect most teams to lose against those. But they've also drawn to Morecambe, uh, lost to Shrewsbury, uh, lost and to Charlton, Charlton as well. But I think the Charlton game is like... Uh, Charlton are such a weird side this season. They really are, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily expect them to get much out of that, but maybe more than a single point. Um, so, yeah, going to be a going to be a good one on Saturday. I think it's the the kind of game that, you know, two or three years ago was was the real, you know, mouth-watering fixture that a lot of people look forward to in and, you know, the the old the good old rivalry between, uh, you know, yeah, Danny and Mr. I, Cooper. I, I still feel like there's a bit of a rem- the remnants of that little rivalry there. I still I'll be honest, yeah. I'm, we're meant to be trying impartial for the reasons that were brought up all that time back in the National League. <laughs> I just don't like them. And it has absolutely <laughs> yeah. nothing to do with the whole eco thing. Yeah. Uh, all the veganism. I've got no issues with those um, kind of morally. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it was the disrespect from the club and it's maybe the little from, and I just don't like particularly like the owner very much. I feel yep. it's just a little bit of disrespect, a little bit of uh, it's like a little bit, isn't it? It's like the, uh, like the extension rebellion and the just stop oil protesters. Like I agree with a lot of the principles, you know, that they have. I agree with a lot of the views that they have. I just think you're going about it and being a dick. <laughs> yeah, to be and honest, without what you know, without going too far with it. Yeah, you can't deny that. And you know what? Um, when I think it was when Duncan Ferguson was um, announced as manager, and some of the fans uh, on the Twitter were some of the quote was um, Duncan Ferguson's black and white army. And then some of those yes. fans got some criticism from out from fans from outside saying, "What well, you don't play in black and white? You're playing green and white." But those fans, they're the proper fans. They're Forest Green's proper fans who still quote the club as their original colours before Dale Vince took over and kind of turned them into. I'm not saying a play thing, but you know, a very yeah, different yeah. football club to what they were. Um, so those Forest Green fans, I respect hugely um, because they're the proper fans and they're the, the ones that were there that kind of clearly still have some. Some connection to the the club as it as it was, um, so yeah, I just want I'd like to say I respected them, but I don't. I, I have to admit, <laughs> I, 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 I take I take a little bit of enjoyment to see them struggling in League One because yeah. when they got into League Two, um, the chairman came out and saying, "Yeah, League Two is going to be easy. Uh, we're going to be in League One in no time." Uh, and they they struggled a couple of seasons, then did unfortunately get themselves into the League One. <laughs> they come to League One and they haven't found it easy. And um, I've done some research. As I say I don't want to go through too many stats, but this is I found this really interesting um, because so I'm going to talk about expected goals. So for anyone that hates that, I would say give me a minute, just turn off for a minute, and then turn it back on again. Uh, yes, yeah, so yeah, wave, Ben's waving goodbye. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to go into the specific numbers themselves, but they are underachieving on their expected goals in terms of goals scored and goals um, goals against. So what that means is um, the number of goals that they expect con- to concede is actually they're conceding more than they're expecting to. And the actual goals that they score is fewer than the numbers suggest that they should be doing. Now, if this happens early-ish in the season, you often expect those kind of anomalies to even out. This far into the season um, what that shows is actually maybe the just the, the overall quality of the squad on the pitch isn't at the level of League One they're underperforming at this level so 
A way to think about this the other way around is when players that are overperforming or teams that are overperforming are, are above the level. Key, prime example of this is Erling Haaland at Man City. Mm. So his expected the amount of goals he's expected to score from the chances that he's 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 taken would be a certain number, and he actually scores shed loads more than that because he's an elite yeah. quality player. So he is able to make more of those opportunities. So he's playing above the level that he's playing at. Obviously, because we're playing divisions and you're playing against teams of a similar quality, you can use each division as a good barometer. And Forest Green on on both metrics of goal scoring and goals conceding are just underperforming the underlying numbers, which would suggest that their squad just isn't quite at the of the of the standard, which is going to make them competitive at this level. So, so what you're basically saying is they're not a very good side. Yes, that yes, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but not just because I don't like them, and not just because um, I want us to win, and we're, and we're prepping a game that we we want to go and get three points and feel like we can because they're bottom of the league. The underlying numbers do suggest that that's probably, yeah, you know, it's probably the right place for them because they're saying that the league table doesn't lie isn't always a hundred percent accurate for the underlying numbers, um, but for them it is. Um, so. Yeah, I think I think what's really there's a couple of changes that has happened under Darren, under Darren Ferguson under um, Duncan. He's changed to a back four and they've become tighter in terms of their lines. So they used to be really open. They're not open anymore. They are conceding fewer chances. They are, but they are creating far fewer chances than they than they were earlier in the season. Their xG over the last few games is less than 0.5 on average. So what this suggests is they're probably not going to be a a massive threat in terms of creating loads and loads of chances against us. So for me, that means that we probably could go back to a back four um, with our, you know, we know who's missing. Potentially mm. it's a good opportunity for us to go to a back four with the expectation of still being solid enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, who's going to fill that back four though? Because it's a good question. Uh, I mean, we've got, you look at the, the central defenders that we have in the team. Got TJ. You've got Lewis. We've got Adam Jackson. We've got Joe Walsh. Regan Paul obviously can play in there. Sean Rowan can play left side, but has only done it once or twice. Um, well, I think if we're going to play a back five, you play boys, you play Rowan left centre-back, yep. um, O'Connor, Ayoma, and Paul. But that leaves us with no defensive cover on the bench at all. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually expect us to go to a back four with Rowan, O'Connor, Paul and Ayoma. Which way round Paul and Naoma play? Who plays centre back and who plays right back? I'm unsure. Probably Paul at right back. Yeah. Um, but I, I just realised I, I did forget to say O'Connor, which yeah, the um, who you gave man of the match. In the last yeah, game. who I gave man of the match two or five minutes ago. Um, but no, yeah, I think I, th- I think that's that's that back four is 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 yeah. probably what I would so, expect to see us go yeah. with. Yeah, I can't I can't see us trying to stretch to a back five or you know back three with wing backs. I, I can't see us trying to stretch to it. And leaving us very open at the back if somebody does go off. Yeah, well, in, in, yeah, like I said, in terms of option on the back as well, it just it just really limits us, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, I expect it to be a back four. Like we said, we didn't seem quite as coherent in that four-two-three-one as we did in the in the three-four-three. Um, but we've had a week to, to, to work on it, haven't we? This this week, yeah. and I imagine knowing, you know, it's not like there's been any surprises in the build-up. He knew who's going to be available um, since Saturday um, for this week. So yeah. we've been able to work on that this week. So their actual attacking numbers are actually quite similar to ours for over the whole season. Um, ours over the last four games have been really, really impressive, actually. 
Uh, but over the whole season, attacking-wise, they're, they're quite similar to us. But defensively, we're significantly more more solid. So for me, if we can get if we can get an early goal or just get a get ahead, I think mm. we're, we're probably going to win the game one 0 um, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be positive, and this isn't just gut feeling. This isn't just not liking Forest Green. It's the underlying numbers are suggesting a one 0 win for me. Okay, well, I mean, obviously, we're going to go in with a two 0 deficit to start with because Jordan Garrick. And uh, Jamie Robson are both playing for them. So. Yeah, and they, they've kind of turned into key players for them. There's those two plus a guy called Corey O'Keefe, who, again, numbers-wise, is, is is playing kind of above the rest of the squad. So he's, he's someone to look out for, plays midfield. But yeah, Jamie Robson and Jordan Garrick, you know, old players always come back to haunt us, don't they? And in their very first match for Forest Green together... They combined, a, didn't there they? There was a Jordan Garrick goal from a Jamie Robson assist. Yeah, so yeah. we've got to be careful of that, certainly. We know their strengths, but I suppose because they've been part of our squad, we also know their weaknesses too. Yeah, um, although I suppose we have kind of got Harry Boys, who, true. you know, who was there. So maybe that's a goal if he comes, you know, if he starts... That's it, yeah. It's 2-1 before we start. So. so if we're saying X players count as goals, then it's 2-1 to them. Yeah. Um, but we've got enough in the team to kind of turn it around, I hope. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's uh it's it's gonna be it's gonna be another test of that uh that phrase of, you know, we should be beating teams like this. Um and I think again, with as little disrespect as it is physically possible to give, which isn't a lot, um I I think we should be beating Forest Green comfortably. Um, yeah. Whether that's a case of you got to differentiate the squad to the club. We, we've we've made it clear. We yes, we're not a yeah, fan yeah. To the club, but the team yeah. on the pitch, and uh, you know, you've got to analyse them as a team of footballers, haven't you? And you're absolutely yeah. right. I think it, with the two squads compared to each other, you know, on purely on paper, we have. The I mean, squad. we we've just said if you we said what five minutes ago, if everybody's fit in our squad, what's the first eleven that you pick? If you then look through the Forest Green for you know Forest Green squad, do you pick any of those players above our own for any of those positions? No. And it's it's difficult to say yes for any of them, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is difficult. You're absolutely right. Um, so, yeah, so... I think I I think I will. I'm gonna I'm gonna say at, at, at least a two goal win on Saturday. That'd be lovely. I, I do. Th- I'm confident of a win. I really am. And yeah, and you know what? Before the Edgerton game, let's imagine that this. We're going into the F, the Forest Green game after Cambridge, wasn't it? That we played yeah. Um, then I'm going to say, well, all the numbers suggest that we should be winning, etc., etc. All the stuff we've just said, but our Achilles heel this season has been beating those types of teams. But since then, we didn't just beat Accrington, we really convincingly beat them. Yeah. Um, we we played well against Bristol Rovers and won, um, who were, you know, they probably weren't, after we will admit, they weren't great when they when they came to Central Bank last week, but but they were certainly better than 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 some of the other teams that we've played. Certainly better than Accrington, for example. Yeah, uh, and we and we got past them. So I feel like we've definitely turned a corner in that regard, and that gives me real confidence going yeah. away from home to those teams that, again, inverted commas, should be beating. Yeah, um, to think that we actually will. Um, I mean, thing yeah. is, I I felt relatively confident on Saturday that we'd come away with something. Yeah, and. Yeah, me and too. I think it goes back to um, to what Mark Kennedy said. Initially, when he joined the club, when he spoke with myself and Gaz, and in a few interviews after that, when he's turned around and said that he wanted to make us hard to beat, and then 
from there he wanted to build on it and i i i wonder if a lot of people expected that to be in the course of 90 minutes you know in the course of a game rather than looking at the bigger picture and saying right well he wants to make us hard to beat that's fine where does that take us you know throughout the course of the season and i think the fact that we've done really well in terms of clean sheets this season and defensively i think we've looked we've looked really solid i i i genuinely don't feel like there's many teams in the division that are going to score past us i agree well again, you mentioned the defensive thing so mark kennedy's taken charge of 30 league games and we've only lost seven of them well there you go and you've got to go all the way up into the playoffs before you find another team that's lost seven or fewer yeah so we and that's, we all that's know the thing it's like draws but in terms of being hard to beat you can't argue with that you know? yeah and, and now i think I that's that's just starting to turn the corner. He, you mentioned, you know, the, yeah. the rhetoric that the message he was saying is, "Well, he's been hard to beat," and then you can build from those foundations. Yeah, I think we're just starting to see, or is building on from those foundations now. And, Absolutely, you know, and I think because we're starting to see it now, it's certainly much much easier to see that the brighter future. It's much easier to kind of now we've seen it. It's much easier to believe it, isn't it? And yeah, and I think I think that allows us. It allows me to just put a lot more trust in Mark Kennedy. Yes. As a manager, you know, as much as you can, you know, agree with how he talks, he clearly talks well. He, talk, he understands football. The guy's been around for you know decades. But yeah. we started to see it with our own eyes. We go, hey, we're doing what he said we was going to do. Yeah. So it kind of just generates that little bit of trust, doesn't it? And yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I think there was a lot of some positivity too. Yeah, there, there was a lot of talk about, you know, the it, it, the phrase of um, high tempo attacking football or fast attacking football was used relatively early on yeah and i think there was you know a few a few fans were using that as a bit of a stick to beat him with well the thing is recently. early season i think we were we were really aggressive pressing really high but we were really open <laughs> yeah and the epitome of that was the bristol rovers game and mark kind of said it himself like if i keep playing like this yeah we got on the right end of the result that game but if we keep doing that he said in our in our live pod i'll get i'll get sacked yeah. if i keep doing that so we have to that was the turning point for him um, yeah so i suppose at the point that he quoted we want to be front foot, you know, aggressive attacking football. We kind of were, uh, to an extent. Um, and he has said, again, on the live pod, he mentioned, I do want to get back to that, but with that more solid foundation behind it. Yeah. And fair play, credit where it's due. You know, we've, we've given him some criticism and the fans have maybe given him some criticism in weeks gone by. Certainly, you know, Cambridge was a bit of a, uh, a kind of a, a, a tip, the tip of the iceberg for that, wasn't it? But yeah. It, now, it's amazing what difference a few weeks makes because I'm absolutely yeah. full of confidence, full of faith in Mark Kennedy. Um, again, well, I mean, like this, I said, this is the first... We, we, it's, we've, got the, we've got the tangible evidence of what he said yeah. he wants to do and this what, is where the... he wants to see the club go, and we're going that direction, aren't we? Yeah, like this is the first podcast that I've done that has kind of looked back over a game and, and had a preview since the Cambridge game. Oh yeah, that's the last time you and I were on together. We were in yeah. very different moods then, weren't we? Yeah, you know, like the, the the week after that was obviously the live pod. Last week was you know you and Gaz, and it's like Jesus, the the, the mood has changed substantially since the last time we did this, and it's like well, it, it's all it's it's kind of a waiting game, and I know that as football fans, a lot of the time we're not good at waiting, we're not good at being patient, but of course not. I think even no. even even when we try to be, we're still shit at it. <laughs> yeah, I think the fact that we've we've kind of come out of the the spell where we were you know we we obviously did find it tricky but we still weren't losing too many games we were drawing a lot yes but we weren't you know we weren't getting drubbed each week we weren't getting hammered 
and it was just a difficult spot to be in. Mm-hmm. But we've come around from that, and I think, like you you said last week, that Mark had mentioned, suddenly, if you have two two or three draws on the bounce, then you get two wins. It looks like a much better record. Yeah, the, the draws look a lot more positive than if you had a couple of draws followed by yeah. defeat. And so. because we're being so hard to, to beat and we're conceding so fewer goals, it's unlikely that we're going to get a defeat Yeah. that then tarnishes the draws, if you know what that means. We're more likely yes. to yeah, nick a 1-0 win to lose a 1-0. Um, you know, that's, we've, we've kept five clean sheets in the last six games and that goal was offside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's ridiculous, especially for a team yeah. in the bottom half of the league. That's absolutely ridiculous and incredibly impressive. Yeah. Um, and... You know, sometimes clean sheets get overlooked if you're not scoring goals, you're the end. And, and on the whole, we've been keeping them out and we have nicked a few. Well, not nicked, we've created a few and, and got some the other end when we've got them. And I've, I feel really positive and I'm just so hopeful that if we can go into Saturday and get a convincing victory, you know, a similar a similar performance and result to the Akron game would be, would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. And then we can go into the next two games just full of beans. You know, we've got two home games in a row after that. We've got MK Dons at home, another team that are really struggling at the moment. And then Oxford, who also, you know, in terms of form, are really struggling too. Um, you know, I'm going. I'm going to. I've done a bit. I didn't know if it was going to preview MK. I know this. This is potentially going to be a, a separate release of a of an MK. Yes. Um, yeah, MK I believe. Um, so I... we're not going to do it. But I, I did a quick quick look, and I'm really positive about that game too. And I think, and I know I've I've maybe been guilty of been a bit super positive before or over positive, hopeful, hopeful. Certainly, I was before. <laughs> Both Cambridge games because I previewed both of them and obviously got bit in the arse of both of them. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my neck out and say I think we're gonna be you and you and Gary are gonna be recording next week um, on the back of six points. I certainly hope so. I really do because I think it's we're overdue a decent like a really good run. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're in the middle of one at the moment, but it yeah could, it can go from being a, a positive run to a really 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 good impressive run. Yeah, um, and a real confidence building run as well from an attacking perspective. Um, Absolutely, I'm, re- I'm really comfortable with where the club are right now. Um, yeah, but six points later in you know how many what less than a week's time, God, yeah. that could be huge. That could really cement us in that kind of upper half of the boat, the upper part of the bottom half, or lower part of the top half of the league. Absolutely, and I suppose. One thing well, I think to, to look I, th- at. So I think you go first, mate. No, I was going to say I think on on the whole, I mean, we're, we're touching fifty five minutes now, so I'm not going to to get into this too much but it's it's it does go back to the stuff that you said last week about the investment um in that you know a lot of stuff seems to be in in a good spot at the moment and it's it's just incredible to watch from you know just a couple of weeks ago at how quickly everything's turned around um in the eyes of the fans i mean internally i'm fairly certain there would have been meetings and conversations that were happening saying yeah we're we're happy with how things are going it's just there's one or two things on the pitch that may need sorting out but they're going to get sorted in a couple of days or weeks or whatever and then all of a sudden the, the sentiment seems to have turned around massively um but yeah i mean we'll 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 move away from from can, forest green i think, think and... that, we, we can see where we're going now can't we like, i think yeah. we all had an idea where we would, would hope to go yeah. What we've seen recently, I'll show you on the pictures, a clear picture of, hey, we're really improving and we, we can really see, we can see the development with our own eyes. And yeah. Like the, the, the investment from last week was, is obviously the news. It's, it's just been a real a real cherry on the uh, on the icing on the cake. Now, if it's okay if we just finish with one little, little thing about just where we are as a club in terms of compared to everyone else, because the last game I, I previewed 
uh, with you was the Cambridge game, and um, at the time we were we were in the bottom four, we were just just a little bit away from it, but we were flirting with it, weren't we? Yep. And I kind of said all the underlying numbers suggest that we're actually similar to that kind of clump, that kind of clump of clubs that are in that in that bottom four. So it was a huge at the time we kind of build it as a really big game and a real barometer of what our level actually is. Mm. Turn you know obviously we know what happened there and. You know, the outcome of that was, oh, bloody hell, that's our level then. And then we go and play Peterborough, or not Peterborough, sorry, Portsmouth on uh, on Saturday, which is the fourth game since then. And in those four games, all of our underlying numbers have been significantly higher. We all know our performances have been massively improved. Um, but what really stood out to me is that Pompey's numbers on, uh, on Saturday were pretty much bang on average for their numbers for the whole season there was basically just a standard performance of them so what we can look at is if Portsmouth are a, the definition of a solid kind of mid-table upper potentially top 10 top 12 sort of league one team mm. um, and our numbers and their numbers were very very similar on um, on Saturday and our past four games have all been really positive so what seems to have happened into again small sample size but purely looking at the numbers before the Cambridge game all the numbers suggested we was actually not far above a bottom four team, and we wanted to show that we could just be in that tier above. And then since then, all of all of our numbers have been showing actually what our level really is is kind of upper mid table. Yeah. Um, so if that continues long term, you know, for the rest of the season, we are going to finish in that sort of tenth to tenth to fourteenth sort of finish that we all hoped for at the start of the season, which is just a really good foundation for next season, isn't it? Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm in a good mood, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 happy to see. Uh, you know, it's it's good to see things looking up. And I think one of the other things that that is looking up in the wider picture of football, um, we're going to touch on it. We're not going to go too far into it because a lot of it hasn't come out. A lot of it hasn't been you know officially released. But there is a white paper being released by the government with a plan for a uh, an independent regulator for football. Um, a lot of people have seemingly found the plans or gone through them, you know, in in the in the game and also uh, in the government. Um, and the noises around it are very positive at the moment. I think there, there was we obviously spoke to Liam Scully about this on the live pod, and I think yeah. it it seems like a lot of the stuff from the fan led review has been implemented in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, the we haven't have the chance to see it. I don't think, I don't know if it's public knowledge yet. I, c- I can't, like we had a look earlier, didn't we? We couldn't actually find a copy of the white paper, but it seems that it is, has been released maybe internally to clubs or is some, yeah. some headlines out there. And the big headline is the fact that there is going to be um, an independent regulator, which is like pretty much everyone in the whole of football bar the Premier League have been, have been shouting for and recommending. So the fact that that is going to be a thing and that's guaranteed, that is kind of confirmed now is massively positive news. How it's going to be implemented, you know, all that is yet to be kind of known. But the fact there is going to be one means that hopefully football has the real chance of a, of a financial reform. And what that means for Lincoln City is that, oh, you mentioned the investment, all the investment that the owners and, and the board that are putting in at the moment to plug that £2 million gap at the moment to keep us standing still, well, if that then means that football has a, a better financial footing and, and clubs don't no longer need, you know, benefactors effectively to be plugging gaps like that that then means that that same amount of investment could potentially go into improving the club on and off the pitch yeah. um, 
and that's just a, it's, it's just massive not just for Lincoln because you know we're really well run compared to a lot of clubs in in the EFL but it's just really positive news like I said we don't know the, the details yet I'm sure they'll become clear over the coming days and weeks but the fact that we know there is going to be an independent regulator is quite simply just a good thing for football it's now just a case of you know we just hope it's going to be as implemented as well as it can be and it can be as as positive as we hope it it's going to be but ultimately it's going to be better than it is now no matter what yeah. happens and that's that's a good thing yeah i mean i think it it doesn't sound like this is just going to be a box ticking exercise and be quite toothless it sounds like there is going to be some actual power behind it yeah you'd hope so i know obviously you know we all have our own opinions on the certain government and the fact it's kind of a government thing means that there's going to be some doubts about that but I think the key word is independent. It's an yes. independent regulator. It's a new body that's yeah. going to be effectively a governing body for for football. Um, yeah, uh, which is good. So as much as the government have kind of, kind let's of not get political. Said, but... no, said, it, said, it's, it said it's going to be a thing, and it's going to come from the government. Hope you know, it doesn't yeah. matter what government is in power next. There's still going to be an independent regulator for football that yeah. is acting in the best interest of the sport, and that's Absolutely. positive. So. Yeah, I'm I'm positive for it. Don't want to get carried away, but it's good news and it's a step yes. in the right direction. So yeah, we'll yeah more to, no, more think... to follow when uh, when we yes when we know more, yeah I mean we'll, we'll it's good. Obviously, when we can get our hands on it and have a look through it and and work out the the ins and outs and you know strip out the legalese from it, we'll uh, we'll have a a good discussion about it. But it's it's positive that it's coming in, um, and yeah, I think it's going to be a, a very very interesting thing moving forward. Um, yeah. Other a couple of other little tiny bits, really. The first one, um, obviously, as of today, I believe. Well, as we record, as you're listening to this, yesterday um, at 10 a.m., the season tickets or the gold memberships have gone back up for sale or renewal. I believe. Oh no, sorry, just renewal. It's the renewal. Just re- yeah, renewal to start with. Yeah. It's the early early bird renewal window, um, and. There is a 5% increase, I believe, which is not too bad when you consider that the club, um, I think uh, Liam said recently that there's going to be around a 15% increase in operating costs for the club. Yeah, so what that means is that we're paying a 5% extra for our our season tickets, but the club are are basically filling in that extra 10% gap themselves. Um, I'll be honest, I was chuffed a bit with the numbers. I was expecting them to go up, and I was expecting them to go up a lot more than they have done. Um, I think the club have been really... They've been just a, they've had their ear to the ground with this really well, because not yeah. only have they not increased the, the prices much, they've created that the, the really affordable um, options. They're given the, the, the two-tier pricing now, isn't there? So if you're wanting us, I think it's a sub-300 quid um, season ticket in the... South Park end, I can't remember what the name of the stand's called now. That's the Real name. Mac. The Real Mac stand, that's it, thank you. Um, so if you're thinking, you know what, I really like the idea of a season ticket, but maybe you know, maybe it's getting a little bit, it's stretching a little bit, then for the first couple of renewal windows, I think, certainly the first one, you can purchase a sub 300 quid. Um, I mean, that's, that's quite in, a jump. In, in the Real Mac stand, yeah. I think that's, it's just really good to offer that option um, yeah. by the club. They didn't need to do that. Um, but they were really because I was part of the supporters board meetings that we were discussing this, and it was a real focus for them to make sure that they was trying to, you know, support people where they can. Had one eye on what the club's needs are, but really want to make it accessible supporters. So, the small increase for the rest of the stadium, but also that you know significant drop in price. Um, yeah. For a season ticket in the Real Mac was. So honestly, I mean, the, the, I just does, think credit where it's due. They, yeah, absolutely. They, I was going to say that the, it's a positive. I'll just, 
very quickly run through the prices. So for the GBM or the SRP, uh, so to me and you, that's the co-op and the St Andrews. Yeah, that's um, what they are. And that's what it's, they'll always be. Yeah, uh, it's £380 renewal for a concession, £265. Uh, sorry, £380 for a renewal uh, if you're an adult, 265 for a concession, um, and new purchases would be 400 and 280 respectively. Um, in the real Mac, for an adult renewal is 295, and for a concession is 230. Um, the new purchase there will be 380 for an adult and 270 for a concession. Which my understanding is that if you want to essentially have a season ticket and you know, you can't afford to, to maybe keep your seat where you are, but you can potentially stretch to that 295, you'll be able to move your seat into the real Mac if that's what you want to do. That's um, yeah, that's exactly what it's for. And that which works is, out at just over £12 a game. Yeah. It's incredible um, value for League One Football, that is. Yeah, and I know what they've said as well is that they're not going through a finance company to do the paying instalments. So I believe yeah. you can pay in four instalments directly to the club. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a range of payment options, and uh, yeah, yeah. So it's just the club have just been really, as I say, we were in the supporters, but it was a unanimous just kind of vote of approval um, yeah. from all twelve of us. Kind of say this is fair play. Like you've, you've taken everything into consideration here. You know, the payments were were a challenge for some people. You've sorted that out, given them a wide range of options. The cost, you've got options there. The, the price range, the price increase for, for for everyone else is is minimal, really, and compared to what we was expecting. So, yeah, um, the window is open. Yeah, absolutely. So get yourself sorted, and don't forget, most importantly of all, let Andy Pearson know that you've got your season ticket when oh, you have yes, renewed absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, that has to be that has to be displayed on Twitter in emojis, and it has to be tagged. Yep. <laughs> have you have you really renewed your season ticket if Andy doesn't know? Um but no, I think that's uh, that's probably a good spot to wrap up, although there is actually no one final thing. The shirts. Um so there's another round of retro shirts that by the time you're listening to this will probably be on sale. Um there was a a tweet which went out with a couple of shirts. Uh, extreme close-ups. Yeah, it was yeah. difficult to tell. We've had a guess, haven't we? Well, I, we I say, I say, you say they're difficult to tell. One of them is incredibly easy because well, of yeah, it's purple. Yeah, it's 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 the ninety four ninety five away shirt, um, and I think the other one is is either ninety nine two thousand or two thousand two thousand and one. Yeah, we um, think it's the halves and quarters one. Is that, yeah. is that what we think it is? Is that one? Yeah, I think it's the the quartered one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I you know what when it came out. I hated it, but now, but now it's going to come out as a as a retro with the shirt. nostalgia goggles I, on. I, yeah, I think oh, I quite like it now. I might want it, so I'll see what that's like. I might get it. I I, I own one of the other ones. It's the one with the, it's the pinstripe one with the kind of the, the white sleeves. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just I just really like that shirt. So I, that's the one I currently own of the uh, of the retro ones, and I I wear it all the time. See, uh, I've I've managed to I've I've gotten all of the retro ones so far, and I think I have a problem. Well, I've got that so. one. I've got the I've got the stripe one, the the echo one. Yeah, yeah. I've got that, the, the red and white stripe one, and I do wear that. But I, I practically live in the in the, in the one with the white arms, the pinstripe one, like because it's um, it's one of those shirts that it doesn't. It is a replica kit, kind of a replica kit, but it doesn't yeah. look like one. It's sort of one you can just kind of it's wear just nice, isn't it? As well. It's just a really nice shirt. Yeah. yeah. So if they do as good a job with these these new ones as they have with the previous ones, then I imagine they'll do very well commercially, and I fully expect myself to be purchasing one on payday. 
Yep. Well, thankfully, it's my payday tomorrow, so uh, perfect timing. But yes, right, that is going to do us for the week, guys. Um, we will see you at the bank on Tuesday against MK Dons. Um, I say there'll be a preview of that coming up shortly. So uh, until then, up the imps. Up the imps. The 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.